and complete nervous exhaustion. I bummed through west and far west Texas for three years, slowly getting my health back in the high, dry climate. Then I returned to Fort Worth and went back to the hotel. A group of gangsters made me their distributor for bootleg whiskey. The dubious honor was thrust upon me practically at gunpoint. I plotted to get even, simultaneously recouping my fortunes. Starting off with a handle of a few cases a week, I gradually enlarged my order until finally the few had increased to twenty. In order to do this, I had to wholesale the stuff to other hotel employees at a very short profit, and sometimes no profit at all. But that was all right. The total proceeds from the twenty cases were to be my profit. I intended to dump them for a minimum of three thousand dollars, and then skip town. My gangster associates could whistle for the dough I owed them. Unfortunately, my cache of whiskey was discovered and confiscated by federal prohibition agents. They took it all, but they only reported five cases, and this bit of official perfidy was an even harder blow than my financial loss. It prevented me from making a new start with the gangsters. It deprived me of any valid excuse for not paying their bill. I had the alternative of paying up, or getting my head beaten off, or, of course, leaving town. So, with approximately a thirtieth of my anticipated three thousand, a little less than a hundred dollars, I loaded Mom and Freddy into the car and headed north. Our destination was Nebraska, and we were not nearly so downhearted as we headed toward it as one might think. Mom's parents lived in a small Nebraska town, and she and Freddie would be welcome with them for a time. As soon as I could arrange it, they would join me in Lincoln, where I hoped to enter the state university. I was sorely in need of some higher education, as an editor acquaintance had pointed out. He had also pointed out that I was much more apt to wind up dead than as the writer I hoped to be, unless I abandoned the course I was following. We chugged along quite cheerfully for a matter of five or ten miles. Then the car began to reveal its overall worthlessness. The motor steamed and smoked. It clattered, pounded, and roared. I pulled off the road and lifted the hood. A brief examination uncovered the terrible truth. The crankcase was filled with sawdust and tractor oil. It had been doctored thusly to conceal a flat crankshaft, the one incurable ailment of the Model T Ford. No repair, as the term is usually used, would correct the difficulty for more than a few hours. We needed a new shaft, new bearings, new rods, and other internal accessories. Briefly, and it would have cost us little more, we needed a new motor. It took us two days to get to Oklahoma City, a distance of 250 miles. It also took almost 70 of our $100. We had traveled no more than a fourth of the way to our destination, and more than two-thirds of our money was gone. 
Here we sat then, on that sweltering August afternoon in 1929, a tired, middle-aged woman, a tired, hungry young girl, and a tired, somewhat saturnine-looking young man. Here we sat, nominal beggars in a broken-down Ford, at the sight of our one-time glory. I closed my eyes against the brilliant sunlight, and I could almost see Pop bustling out of this building, young, smartly dressed, hurrying toward his low-slung Apperson Jack, or the big coal Arrow 8. I could see us all riding home together, out to the big high-ceilinged house with its book-lined walls. I could see the friendly face of the cook as she dished up the dinner. I could taste... I opened my eyes again. Mom gave me a frown. Now that's a nice way to talk, she said. That's nice language to use in front of your mother and sister. What did I say? I said. All I said was ship. I was thinking how cool it would be, you know, to be... Out